0: Welcome to Between the Vines. My name is Kevin Martin. I'm here with Jennifer Phillips-Russo. We are the Lake Erie Regional Grape Program, brought to you by Penn State University and Cornell University. Wanted to bring you another weekly update on the podcast this week. And I think the first thing we're going to talk about is grape berry moth, since this seems to be the week. Uh, and for that, I'm going to, at least to start, turn it over to Jen.
1: Hi, uh, thank you, Kevin. So that it's been brought to our attention. We just wanted to make sure that you are utilizing the tools that we have to offer you. And one of those would be nua.cornell.edu to look at the Great Berry Moth model. You can type in your zip code or find the station that is nearest to you and click on the IPM tools. Kevin, I think we should walk through it. You want to share your screen and we can for those of you who are watching it, this is how you're going to get there. For those of you who are sure. listening. We'll talk you through it. So it's nua.cornell.edu. There's a selector search by weather station, and you can type in your name or the one that's nearest to it.
0: For today, we're going to look at I also use a map. And yeah. this is Portland L E R G P West. Um, we go to the crop and IPM tools, and we scroll way down. We you got do stuck to in alphabetical down. order. Yeah. So we are grapes way down here somewhere, and the grape berry moth model is what we're looking for.
1: So before we even continue to go on with this, I would like to state that I hope you know the number that you should be looking for for growing degree days for when you should um, be timing your spraying and scouting, or efforts, I almost said abilities, (laughs) and that's 1620. The number you're looking for is around 1620, and that is because the research has shown that 810, 810 growing degree days is the generation. Correct, Kevin? That's the way you would state that?
0: Right, so, and this is for spraying that third generation. And we start counting those growing degree days, you can see right here, based on wild grape bloom. uh, The model artificially estimates that on 529 at Portland, LARGP West, and this is based on growing degree days that wild grape bloom occurred. Um, It's pretty close, but if you want to do better you can click here and enter your own date and the model will update. So
1: looking back at that as we're showing you and please you should be using this website if you are growing grapes in this region because it is very helpful and based in research. Right underneath that wild grape bloom it'll state accumulated degree days 47.14 Fahrenheit degrees wild grape bloom. Bloom date easy for me to say, through 8 4 is at sixteen eighteen So it'll tell you right there, but you can also scroll down. This is where I want to bring your attention to something when you're utilizing this tool. Looking at this results table, there are four, I'm sorry, five total columns. One is the date. So today's date will be highlighted and bolded for you. It's August 4th today when we're doing this podcast. The next two columns of numbers, those are growing degree days from January 1st of the current year, so 2022. I don't want you to get confused when you're looking at them because that is going to be higher than the growing degree days from the wild grape bloom, which is the second column. It does state it from, if you're looking at the table itself, it'll say from January first in the third column over or it'll say from May 20. I sorry, I can't see that it's so tiny on my computer. Does that say 8 or 9? 29 or 28? <laughs> it's the last column that you want to look at. Those are the numbers and I know it's just a little bit tricky because there's that first set and it's bolded and you're like, "Holy cow, it says 1844 and we missed it." So, please just remember to oh. check the headers on the column, so that you're looking at the correct column for growing degree days.
0: Yeah, so we're at we're at 1618 at LARGP West. Um, And so what that means is it's time to start spraying. You had about. Well, probably close to eight or nine days ago, you could start counting. It was around 1470 and the model down here under the management guide will tell you that. Ideally, uh, it's time to put on your. um, It's time to put on your ingestible pesticides, so Intrepid, Altacore. But this is as close to 1620 as possible. And what you'll see tomorrow is that it will be time to put on contact insecticides. 1620 versus 1618, the model is not actually that accurate for all insects. We're really trying to hit the bulk of them. So you can certainly put on your contact insecticides yesterday, that would not be a problem. Um, I
1: think that's really good to state is that this is a model, right? This is not a precise science for this particular. It is a model where it takes previous years and puts them together and makes the best educated. I don't want to call it an educated guess. And as you can
0: see, we're accumulating 30 growing degree days today. Um, I'm not worried about two growing degree days. You could certainly uh, go a day early, particularly in this scenario where we're only two growing degree days away with your contact insecticides you do only have a couple of days to put on um, your ingested materials like Intrepid and Altacore if you know I like to sort of favor the early part of putting it on as close to 1620 as possible so starting on August 1st in this location probably would have made sense to me for a 150 acre grower you know somebody who probably takes four to six days to spray um, so i shouldn't say 150 acres just try to think of this in the context of how long does it take you to spray right. and if it takes you more than a week to spray you're going to need to use um both types of materials or it's just not going to be realistic especially when it's warm for you to get coverage on fast enough you're going to start too early and, and too late um but for the most part, August 1st, August 2nd in this location. And then probably by it doesn't exactly say, but I would say by the 6th, especially if it's something you have in stock, you're gonna to want to switch to the contact insecticides and just put the intrepid away. And the model is going to say on August 8th that it's too late late to spray. And that's assuming if that you can see that. On August 8th, they're forecasting 1734 growing degree days. So the model will say at 1710 or 1711 that it's too late. Again, I'm not worried about one growing degree day. If you have to spray on the 8th, I guess that's okay. I would try not to, but you know, weather happens, Um, but certainly by the ninth or 10th in this location, it it probably you're going to want to take a look at what's occurring and think critically about spraying. In a high pressure situation, you definitely wanna keep spraying even though you're late for just this generation um, because we will have constant pressure potentially at this location. We have reached 1620 by August 5th. That means there is a very high likelihood or potential for an additional generation. This should be a full generation, um, unfortunately. And so what that means is not any, what we used to say when this model came out is you've waited another 810 growing degree days. Um, Somebody want to do the math on that? It's like (laughs) 2,400. I used to have that number memorized, but you don't need to know it anymore because now um, there's enough spread because, you know, the early berry moth come early and they hatch, and then you get early on top of early and you get late on top of late so there's enough spread in the generations by the time this generation this next generation is occurring that you just need constant protection and it's a lot easier to get that constant protection earlier because you're not harvesting grapes so you know what that means is if you're in an area that really needs protection in whenever your insecticide wears out you will put on another insecticide so you know if you put intrepid on at 1587 on August 3rd, maybe on August 13th or 15th, you'd put on another application of something.
1: Thank you, Kevin. I would like to add that we are going to have, um, if you are a member of our program and that's the Lake Erie Regional Grape Program and you receive our crop updates, our podcasts sort of go along with what we're talking about in our crop updates and what is timely in our region. But so that being said in our my crop update this week, there will be a table of all of the new locations with the current um, growing degree days for today that's going out this afternoon, so you can. If you don't have a chance to get to a computer, please make sure you just check your email for well, if it's on your phone if you don't have a chance to get to the NUA website and then you can see it there as well. I also want to add Kevin are you done did you want to talk any more about great berry
0: moth because. I mean, I would just sort of second what you're saying. Is please use this model, especially if you have any great berry moth. The traditional calendar-based method does not work. Call it global warming. Call it insecticides that are kindler and gentler that don't last a month. You know, call it whatever you want to call it. But spraying on July 4th and August 10th is no longer effective. So this year we saw varying degrees of how long it took for a generation to, from start to finish and they were all different from their typical average uh, we have actually lost some growing degree days between um the early july what what ended up being that second generation early july targeting through august 4th in this location typically it looked very certain if you would have guessed on july 1st that we were going to have an extra generation it looked very certain and it turns out now that if you look at some other locations we we may not have another generation the last time this occurred was 2020 i believe and it did appear as though there was a partial generation occurring in those locations that reached 1620 by August 5th or 6th or 7th. Now, if, if if 1620 is on August 7th, you're not supposed to have an extra, extra generation. The science and the, um, the papers that were studied when this model came out indicated that that would not occur. And it looks like, and I don't know if it's because there's there's variance in when berry moth mature and you know maybe we're selecting for them by how we spray but it looks like you want to be careful when you reach 1620 by august 7th you know when it's that close you want to be careful and continue to scout and maybe continue to spray depending on what level of pressure you have so that's the only thing i would add is use the model but make sure you know it's a model and it does appear as though either the berry moth are evolving or the model is evolving. Or they're co-evolving together so um, if you're in a situation where you don't have a lot of berry moth pressure you can sort of um, just use the model and if you have tons and tons of berry moth pressure sort of take it with a grain of salt and give yourself some insurance you know around not relying on it down to the very nearest growing degree day plus or minus a couple of days is, is much is a much healthier way of looking at it
1: Thank you. So I have been out in a couple of the vineyards and I have noticed, and I'm sure you're all a little bit happy that we've had some rain in our area, that downy mildew is showing up on some leaves. If you happen to have, are you looking at another model while we're out here? I was just going
0: to check the soil moisture, which I think I can do with this station.
1: You can check it on the. But you can continue bus. to
0: talk about downy mildew.
1: So if you had high pressure last year, I would highly advise that you get out and take get take some scouting for it out there. It is starting to show up with the oily spot looking on the leaves. So I thought you so were So
0: where were you what type of varieties were you seeing downy mildew in?
1: I've actually seen I've seen it in some concord's and I've been seeing it also in wine grapes.
0: Okay. And are you seeing it on leaves or clusters? Leaves, or?
1: On leaves. leaves. I have been in some vineyards where there is berry damage, but that's from previous. That is definitely noticeable. And just with what you're getting, you're getting higher prices now. Keep your leaves clean. Keep that plant healthy. Give it a good, not only to ripen the grapes this season, but for next season. Keep your leaves clean.
0: Um, Yeah. And, you know, I haven't been in it, so I haven't seen the severity of the problem, but
1: just starting you know, to show it's not It's not widespread for at least what right. i think that
0: certainly it wouldn't be something even with high prices that i think you have to be too crazy concerned about in concord if it's just starting to show up we are starting to see some sprays go on as sort of one last hurrah mm-hmm. so it certainly makes sense to continue to provide protection especially if you're out there spraying for berry moth anyway um Unfortunately, mixing copper is a little bit tricky with some of the insecticides, but, but there are some options for, I, I believe some of the liquid copper products, things that don't necessarily need pH altera- alteration are possible and also just using other products. But like um, if you are very concerned, what Brian Head has mentioned is that copper does a better job with powdery mildew of leaf protection Than even some of our best powdery mildew materials, only with leaves. So this time of year, when you're not worried about berries, it's, it's a very good option, especially for longevity. So it is something to consider. Um, obviously, you know, if Jen's seeing a little bit of downy in Concord, if, you know, you definitely want to make sure you scout Niagara and then, you know, vinifera, of course, I'm sure is going to continue to need protection, without a doubt.
1: I think that's all I had. Japanese beetles were crazy, crazy where I've been lately, but it's been mostly in wine grapes. I know it's not a huge deal in our concords, but when you're doing canopy manipulation, removing leaves, there's less of a canopy with hedging. You want those leaves that you have, so take care of those Japanese beetles as well, which you should be able to do with your... Very moth spray.
0: Well, you know, depending on what you're applying.
1: Which one you're putting on, yeah. Right,
0: yeah. Um, Other insecticides aren't really a concern this time of year. Um, You know, for concords, like we said, most of the fungicides are not that big of a deal. It like, it can make sense to make an application, but um, you know, we're seeing fairly reasonable crop load levels in some of our crop estimates. so. Hopefully you've done a crop estimate and you can use that to inform your decision in terms of how many leaves you think you need, um, because, you know, we, we're not going to see an issue in most of our concords and, you know, it, depending on what you did, you know, going into this, what is now almost wet weather, it seems like certainly from a leaf wetness perspective, even if I don't know if you noticed, if I was, if you were watching the video, we have had some actual humid and rain events that really haven't added anything to soil moisture. We're seeing soil moisture come back down off of field capacity at Elliot at Clairo. Um But that doesn't mean the leaves aren't wet and they were, and it showed quite a bit of leaf wetness. So, you know, hopefully everything was clean going into mid July. That's going to be pretty much good enough for Concord. It, that doesn't have much of a crop on it and you know, Uh, it's going to make it a lot easier to manage vinifera and hybrids as well. You're still going to have to manage, but it makes it a whole lot easier. Mm -hmm. Um, The only other thing I have, you know, in terms of pricing, uh, it is starting to become that time of year. We'll, We'll talk more about it later. We are starting to see, so first, I think I mentioned this last week, we started to see some very small declines in fertilizer pricing, and now we're starting to see some relatively sharp declines in other commodity pricing, uh, like corn and soybeans. So what's that? Well, that's good. Well, no, I mean, (laughs) I I would anticipate that we are, we are able to continue to maintain retail grape pricing uh, and juice grape pricing because the replacements are as expensive as they are. So um, you know, high corn prices are actually very good for us, even if it means high fertilizer prices. So yeah. we'll see what this means in the terms of the trend of fertilizer prices. And honestly, both when you're looking at fertilizer and corn, they are still historically fairly expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that we're starting to see them move in the other direction. So corn is still above $6 locally and above five fifty. 50, at the, uh, you know, the important places where they're actually traded. And we haven't seen, we have seen substantial declines in urea, but not in anything else. So urea is down about 20%, um, probably down to levels that you of what you paid for it if you bought in early springtime. So you might've missed out on paying $1,000 a ton, you might've paid 800. And that's where we're at again. Um, potash prices seem to be bucking this trend. And they're the only thing that continue to get a little more expensive, at least on a national level, we have seen those prices come down a little bit locally. Um, Everything's moving pretty slow in terms of price, except for corn and soybeans. So these movements are pretty small. It's just interesting in terms of a trend, because they were only moving in one direction for such a long period of time.
1: Right, got it. You just mentioned potash. And it just reminded me I did have a grower send me some photos of what is um, the beginning of a potassium deficiency in some Concord vines. It was also vines that were heavily cropped last year and a high knoll and we, it's before the rain had happened. So um, you just might wanna get out there and look for that as well. But I think the rain will probably be, is helpful for us to move that potassium if you applied your potash down into the soil profile. So.
0: And just keep putting it on. I mean, when we're at three four hundred dollars a ton, we even if potash is nine hundred dollars a ton, we want to make sure we do what we can to avoid that nutritional deficiency. Um, unlike, you know, unlike any other nutrient, uh, we're with every other nutrient, we're really looking at maintaining or increasing vine size and trying to avoid decreases in vine size uh, with with the with the nutrient application. In the Concord industry. In Concord. But with, well, really anywhere, right? Like, why do you put, if you put urea on a vinifera, the reason you would do it is to make the vine
1: bigger. So vine size.
0: And just Concord or vinifera. If, if you don't need a bigger vine, you probably really don't need urea. Um, but, but potassium really is located in the fruit. So as we have yields, we remove the potassium in a way that we don't remove Uh, phosphorus for example other other crops do we just we don't so that's the one that's most important to us whether it's expensive or not and unfortunately for us it it seems to be trending upwards and the corn industry you know isn't going to care as much it's not it's an important nutrient for them but it's certainly not what they would rank as the most important so we just have to deal with it and try to avoid I mean, time and time again, there's not going to be any way to model this from a profitability perspective that it comes out any other way. It's going to make sense to apply potassium until either we have some ways of making potassium available because we know it's there in the soil. We just can't get it. And we know if we apply it, we're going to be able to get some of that. Uh, So so if Jen figures out some way to increase potassium availability uh, other than. Modifying your pH, which I'm assuming you've already done if you've gotten this far into the conversation, um, but through cover crops or something like that, and moisture, all those things are going to make potassium more av- available. So, so those are options, just making it more available. But, but we also need to put it on uh, to make sure we're avoiding, uh, you know, leaf symptoms before variegation, which is a little scary to me.
1: Thank you, Kevin. I would, would just want to switch to one more topic, and this is just my weekly shout out for people to start scouting their vineyards for the Spotted Lanternfly. So in New York State, they have, we can find all three, a third instar, which is black and white, not in our area, mind you, as of yet, but this is why I want you to scout for them, because they are in New York State. The fourth instar, which is red, black with white dots, and young adults so i we have talked at numerous of our numerous coffee pots there have been issues of sightings in just around erie pennsylvania i have not found a live insect but that's sort of a needle in a haystack because it was in a wooded area that people were telling me it was so i did go out and scout i didn't find them myself that doesn't mean they're not here i just want to bring it to your attention that you should start scouting for them if you need to know what they look like you can find them on um, New York State IPM website or New York State Department of Ag and Markets, just Google Spotted Lantern Fly New York, many websites will come up for you. That is the same thing for Pennsylvania. PSU has so many great things to look at to help identify and where to report. So just get out there and start scouting, please. If we can keep the numbers down, I think we'll be okay.
0: So there is actually, going back to NUA, there is a Spotted lantern fly model on NUA. Uh, the way it works is you need to know when last year's eggs were laid. The first egg mass detection. We obviously can't do that because fortunately we don't have uh spotted lantern phone. They're estimating based on a growing degree day model that it was 9-15-2021. If that were the case, we should actually start to see adults tomorrow. If they're here, obviously, which hopefully they're not here, but, but maybe they are. So... Adults will be right around the corner. It will make scouting way easier, Um, you know, certainly in a week, I would say, because I don't think that that model for egg laying is going to be off by more than a week. So in a week, you should be able to see adults.
1: So scout your tree lines. If you have a wooded area near your vineyard, just take a look there. If you have black walnut, tree of heaven, burdocks, they're going to be on you, they kind of hide sometimes too. When they see you looking, they'll go to the other side of the stem. So you may have to pick up some stems and peek around. Just take a little time and do, 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 dill do do, do, do. I can't talk.
0: Your diligence. <laughs>
1: Thank you. <laughs> it's been a long, I just got back from a long trip trying to find some. So I'm sorry. I'm a little bit off my game today.
0: <laughs> so we know that this is the last sort of busy time of year before harvest. I drove by a vineyard yesterday that had Um, just one vineyard block. Somebody was weed spraying it. Somebody was fungicide spraying it and somebody was planting cover crop seeds. So obviously three guys working in one block. Obviously it's the, it's the last sort of busy time of year before harvest. Um, Jen, do you want to mention any events we have that hopefully thread that needle between the busy time of year right now and when harvest begins?
1: We are holding an August 31st Field day here at the Cornell Lake Erie Research and Extension Laboratory in Portland, New York. This is to have Terry, Dr. Terry Bates, and myself talk to you about what all the research that's going on out here in the back and for you to see the facilities and ask any of the questions in person. We've got the pruning trial out there, nutrition deficiency trials going on, floor management trials are starting. There's um, Pest trials and weed trials and spray trials, so if you have any questions and you just want to come and see and spend the morning with us it's from nine until 12 and then we'll have a lunch at 12 and it's free so show up ask us questions again that's August 31st 2022 at Clairol in
0: Portland, New York. Thanks a lot so this was our next last last episode of no it's not July, this was our first episode of July for. (laughs) Um, It's August, August,
1: see? (laughs) August, whatever
0: month it is. Um, But we will continue to be back next week. uh, And uh, hopefully we will continue to do this every week. It will get to be uh, a little bit of a challenge post harvest. So we are gonna reach out to some of our growers and and invite them to suggest some topics. But certainly through harvest, we'll have plenty of updates as harvest progresses. And uh, as uh, sort of things start to mature in the next couple of weeks, I think that's probably what people want to hear about most, Um, but thank you again for joining us and if i'm wrong about any of this, please contact us and we will talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. Whatever it is is going on in your vineyard that you find puzzling is most interesting to us so thanks again and we'll see you next week. Have a
1: great week everyone.